coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I'm actually flying solo on this episode of the podcast because this isn't a regularly scheduled episode. This was kind of a spontaneous idea I had for a show, and with the bye week and no game to preview for this weekend, I kind of had the opportunity to depart from our normal schedule and format and do something just a little bit different. And what I want to talk exclusively about today is the quarterback position under Kirby Smart. That position, as you all well know, has been a source of controversy, drama, or intrigue, whatever adjective you want to throw out there, really since Jake Fromm announced he was entering the NFL draft shortly after the Sugar Bowl last year. First, we get news that we land the best transfer quarterback on the market in Jamie Newman. That's awesome, right? That, that kind of cushions the blow. Then a few months later, we find out that we also somehow managed to land JT Daniels as a transfer from USC, which of course added a little bit of intrigue into the situation. And then we find out a month later that Daniels, oh yeah, was actually granted immediate eligibility, which opened up the door to a possible quarterback battle and controversy. We actually did two different emergency podcasts on the topic of JT Daniels over the spring and summer. The first one with the announcement that we landed JT Daniels, and then the second one with the announcement that he had immediate eligibility. So there was a lot of interest there. But then we all know what happened next. Jamie Newman, who came into the preseason as the presumptive starter, well, he opted out. He opted out of the season three weeks before kickoff. But then we find out, to make matters worse, the guy that we presumed would push him for the job, JT Daniels, he still hadn't been medically cleared from his ACL surgery. At first, we kind of just brushed it off, said, oh, it's no big deal. He's a year out from the surgery. He'll be fine. But it clearly has not turned out to be the case. And then word started to leak out that it was redshirt freshman Dwan Mathis, recently recovered and cleared from a brain surgery last year. I mean, a brain surgery, which is insane that he even came back at all, let alone within a year. So we get word out that he's now the leading candidate to get the first start with the uncertainty around Daniels' medical status. And then lo and behold, Dwan Mathis does get that start in week one against Arkansas, but it was a very shaky start to the game uh, against the Razorbacks. And within a quarter and a half, he was replaced by former walk-on Stetson Bennett, who you all know a month before that was essentially our fifth string quarterback. So Stetson comes in, sparks the offense against Arkansas, and leads us to a comfortable victory in week one. But then, two days later, Kirby announces that JT Daniels has now officially been medically cleared heading into the Auburn game, setting off all sorts of speculation, including here on this podcast, that maybe potentially now JT Daniels was in line to take over that job, and Stetson could go back to his backup role, content to now be able to at least tell his grandkids about that one time he came in off the bench to save the day against Arkansas. It's a great story, right? But no, no, that's not how it worked out. Kirby sticks with Stetson against Auburn, clearly viewing him after the Arkansas game as the best healthy available option, and Stetson performs well enough to keep the job, which also instigates many, including myself, to openly speculate and wonder about the true status of JT Daniels' health. I mean, if he's healthy, 
how can he still be on the bench, right? Like, we're talking about this former five-star prospect, All-American coming out of high school, was one of the youngest guys that ever started quarterback as a true freshman for USC. Kind of a, a quarterback prodigy in some ways, a guy who reclassified as a true freshman starter at USC. He was really supposed to be in his senior year of high school. Like, if he's healthy, this guy's clearly a better option than Stetson Bennett, right? Like, we started to ask these questions and wonder aloud, like, what's going on here? And it led you to believe that there had to be something more going on with JT Daniels' health. And because, uh, like, hey, you know, he's cleared, but what exactly does that mean? But Stetson's steady performances, got to give him credit, against Auburn and Tennessee in two blowout wins against teams that we were just much better than, much more talented than, those two wins calmed down things for a couple of weeks. People started to tentatively think and maybe even voice that, you know, maybe we can win with him. You start to hear those whispers. Maybe we can. Maybe our defense is so good that we just need another Jake Fromm, a game manager type, and we're fine. I mean, Jake Fromm did take us to a national title game, right? Like, if he did that, then why can't we do that with Stetson Bennett? You started to hear some of those thoughts. But all those thoughts and all those dreams about Stetson maybe end up being the answer and just him having this incredible dreamlike story, a Cinderella story. All those thoughts and dreams came crashing down last weekend in the aftermath of that loss to Alabama, a loss in which I would posit that Stetson Bennett contributed heavily to with three interceptions, and not just the interceptions, guys, but so many missed opportunities to whether they were poor throws, poor reads, or even just on the batted balls due to the, uh, let's just say, the vertically challenged nature of his stature. Not really his fault there, but it's the reality with him at quarterback. He wasn't the sole cause of that loss by any means. No, not at all. But his play, like you have to admit, it, it was certainly a major contributing factor to that loss, especially how he played in the fourth quarter when we were certainly still very much in that game. And that poor performance convinced many in the Bulldog Nation that, you know, we, we just aren't winning any sort of title this season with Stetson Bennett at the helm. And so as such, the calls for Kirby Smart to make the move to JT Daniels of course, they're going to begin again with a renewed fervor. So here we sit, officially 40% of the way through the season, four games in, just a little over two weeks away from our most, what I would argue is our most important game this season against Florida, without clarity or confidence in our quarterback situation. We are not in a, let's say not in an enviable position right now, at least when it comes to the quarterback position. And as you could expect, when you produce a Georgia-centric sports podcast like we do here on the Glory UJ podcast, the questions regarding the quarterback position, they have been manifold this week, like really all season. We've been getting tons of questions about the quarterbacks all season long, especially after week one. But the volume of questions that were sent in this week regarding the quarterback position reached unprecedented levels. That's kind of why I decided off the cuff to do this show, because I knew a lot of you... Uh, we're thinking about this. It was on your mind. I know this is a topic that is at the forefront of all of our listeners' minds. And, you know, I also personally happen to think that how this situation plays out at the quarterback position, how it plays out over the next couple of weeks is the most important question for this team to answer. If we find an answer or somehow fix the quarterback situation, whatever that looks like, if we find a way to do that over the next few weeks, I still think this team absolutely can contend for the college football playoff and even the national title. Sure, there's a lot of inexperience and youth around the quarterback right now in offense, and we're still learning a new system, but I've seen progress each and every week. I think the offensive line has improved dramatically from week one, and and they're just getting better 
week in and week out. Jermaine Burton started to do some much better things. A guy that I think that is highly talented is going to be an incredibly good player for us. But he's been thrust into like a starting role from day one, which even George Pickens last year wasn't in that role. He didn't start game one. He didn't play a ton against Vanderbilt. But Jermaine Burton has been a guy that's been starting for us since day one. And it's been a learning process for him. Absolutely. But he's been out there. We've, you know, the guy that was supposed to be the starter at tight end for us, he missed the first two games of the year. Or he, well, he at least missed the first game of the year. Uh, and, and it was kind of back a little bit for the second game, but it really hasn't been much of a factor until the last two weeks. So we, we've got a lot of young guys. We've got a lot of inexperienced guys in new positions around the quarterback. So that factors in as well. But we're getting better every week. And if we can just continue to find a way to win, and the quarterback is such a huge part of that when there's so much youth and inexperience around him on offense. If we can find an answer at the quarterback position, I think by the end of the year, this offense can be humming. But it's not going to happen if we don't find an answer at quarterback. If what we saw last week against Alabama is what we can expect moving forward from Stetson Bennett, I just, I don't know if I see any championships in our future this season. And of course, yes, Stetson himself can continue to improve. Of course he can. But I mean, look, if what we saw last week, if what we saw last week offensively and particularly from the quarterback position is what we can expect the rest of the way. Sure, you know, we might win the rest of our games. Like maybe it's possible. I think we're better than every other team on our schedule, but like, are we actually going to like be a true contender for any kind of national title or SEC title? Because you get to play Alabama again. And I, I don't know if the answer is yes. I really don't know. So the big question on everyone's mind right now is, will Kirby Smart make the move to JT Daniels? We've got to ask that question about 37 different ways over the past week, really since the Alabama game. That's really what people are clamoring for. They want JT Daniels. And that's what they want to know. Is he ready? Is Kirby going to make this move? But to understand Kirby's thought process in this situation, to kind of understand why we are where we are right now and how the quarterback situation might shape up the rest of the way this season, I think what we need to do is go back and look at how Kirby Smart has handled the quarterback position since he arrived in Athens back in 2016. Long ago, right? Seems like a long time ago now. But Kirby's past with, with quarterbacks and his decisions with the quarterback position, I think that informs both the present quarterback situation, where we are right now, and the decisions he will make in the future regarding that position moving forward, including moving forward the rest of this year. So let's go back. Let's look at the past year. Let's kind of trace it back. Let's go back to, to December 2016, when Kirby Smart, just a few short days after being formally introduced... Like he makes a beeline. He makes a trip out to Washington State to visit Jacob Eason. Yeah, remember that guy, Jacob Eason, right? The all-everything recruit that was supposed to be our savior back then. So he, he took a visit out there just a couple of days after getting the job when he was kind of in this whirlwind recruiting effort. He took that visit to show Eason how much of a priority he was to this new incoming staff. Like, hey, we still want you, man. And as a defensive guy, like, you know Kirby. Like, Kirby knows how tough an elite quarterback makes it for a defense. I and mean, he's been coaching defense for a long time. So what does he want to do? He wants to go lock up his elite quarterback after that quarterback um, is wavering a little bit. So after a brief flirtation with Florida, and by the way, if you still haven't read Seth Emerson's book, Attack the Day, on kind of Kirby Smart's um, construction of the Georgia program or resurrection of the Georgia program, Seth Emerson has a great story about that in his book about his family at the airport and Eason coming in looking kind of hungover and the Florida coaches meeting them there and potentially trying their plan was to get on the plane with him and fly back to Washington and flip him there. And the family's like, his mom's like, no, not happening. Bye. Over. Done. So great story if you want to check that out if you haven't listened to it or if you haven't read that book yet. It's a great, great read. Great read for a Georgia fan. But anyway, we we, we do just what Kirby wanted to do. We lock Eason up. So we have our guy, right? Like we have our dude. Well, as talented as Eason was, we still started Grayson Lambert week one against North Carolina. Now, Eason got into that game, if you remember, and he showed his promising skills to hit a blonde ball down the sideline. 
And so then he's the guy the rest of the way. But even in that, like, even though, I think, I think that is something that can inform us too. Even though that Eason was clearly the more talented option, he wasn't as ready from a developmental standpoint as Grayson Lambert was. He couldn't read coverages as well. He didn't know his checkdowns as well. He all had to go through his progressions as well, decision-making, all those things. So Kirby going into his first game ever as a Georgia coach, where he wants to make a big impression in the Georgia Dome against North Carolina, he goes with Grayson Lambert. He goes with Grayson Lambert week one against North Carolina. And that, I think, kind of set the standard right there from the beginning that he's going to go with the guy that he trusts. He, who he and, and I know Kirby's putting in there who he thinks gives us the best option to win. Now, I know a lot of people disagree with his choice on who gives us the best option to win, but from Kirby's standpoint, at that point in his career as a head coach, the guy that gives us the best chance to win is the guy that's not going to make mistakes, the guy that's not going to put us in bad positions. Maybe not the most talented guy, but the guy that's not going to put us in a bad spot. But that was going into the season. After one week, he makes the change to Jacob Eason. And, and that decision right there, I think it's important to note that Kirby Smart, and people don't give him credit for this, it's kind of a selective memory on what he's done with quarterbacks, obviously mainly about Justin Fields, which we'll get to momentarily. But in that decision right there, with, within basically one week to go from Lambert to Jacob Eason, I think Kirby showed right there that he's willing to go with what he perceived to be the more talented option over the safer option. He's, got, he's done that. He did that with Lambert and Eason. Now, he knew that Eason was going to make mistakes, and, and he did that in, in route to an 8-5 and five season. That was a tough season, guys. It was a painful season. It wasn't fun. It really wasn't. We had a few nice moments. The, the win in Missouri uh, late in that game. Eason makes that game-winning touchdown pass to McKenzie. The, the game against Auburn at home was a, ooh, not a great-looking game, but it was fun to win that game, right? And who knows if the season record would have been any different with Grace Lambert, but we did win 10 games with Lambert as the starter of the year before. So he would have been the safer bet just to stick with him all year long. He was the safer option. So there's people that say that Kirby just sticks with a game manager and he's too afraid to take a risk and that kind of thing. I, I get what you're saying to some degree, especially when it came to Jay Fromm, but look, go back to year one and look what he did there. Grayson Lambert, yeah, he started the season, but within one week, he was out. And he was the safer option. He was the more developed option. He would have made as many mistakes as Eason made. His completion percentage would have been higher than Eason. The offense probably would have functioned a little bit more, a little bit better in year one. But it was year one, and Kirby knew that he had some leeway, kind of understood it would be a kind of a transition year in which we probably weren't going to win a title that year. So why not go ahead and opt for the talented young guy over the more experienced and safer veteran? So he's done that. He's done that. But then comes the 2017 season, right? You guys remember going into that season, the expectations were so high for Jacob Eason to build off of his freshman campaign, but he went down in week one. I remember being there in Sanford Stadium when that happened. I remember exactly what was going through my mind. I literally turned to my wife and told her, well, there goes the season. That's kind of where my head was when Eason went down, but little did we know that true freshman Jake Fromm would come in and help lead us all the way to the national title game. The most incredible and special season of my lifetime to this point. Hopefully we have another season to surpass that. But to this point, that was it, man. I mean, that was an incredible season. Being able to go to Notre Dame was so much fun. The Rose Bowl, the national title game. I got a chance to go to all those games. It was incredible. And then the national title game uh, my, took my heart out of my chest and threw it in the ground and beat it to death with a sledgehammer. But... Still, that season, like I'll never forget that season. It was just so much fun. But let's not forget that we had somewhat of a similar situation, not directly analogous, 
but similar to kind of where we are right now and that Eason went down with an injury early in the season. So we had to turn to our inexperienced and less physically gifted backup quarterback in Jake Fromm. But Eason was ready to go by midseason. Let's remember that too. He was ready to go. He was back and cleared. But Jake Fromm was playing well and the team was winning so Kirby stuck with him. This year, it's a little bit different. Sure, it's not, again, not directly analogous, but the quarterback that is perceived to be the more physically gifted player with a better pedigree, JT Daniels, he's suffering from an injury when the season started and wasn't cleared to play early on this season. So what we what did we have to do? Just like we did in 2017 with Fromm, we had to end up going with the less experienced and less gifted backup quarterback. But here's another similarity. Just like Eason got cleared, Daniels is now clear too, and he's traveling with the team, which tells me something. The guy's traveling with the team. He's taking up one of the precious travel spots on your 70-man travel roster. That tells me something. You're not going to put him out there unless there's at least a chance he could play at the very least in an emergency situation. But for now, at least, Kirby is sticking with the backup, just like he did in 2017. And Kirby said something very revealing about this idea during his Tuesday press conference, if you guys happen to catch us. If not... He spoke about how difficult it is once you've made a decision at the quarterback spot and gone down that road with a quarterback in the middle of the season, how hard it is to get another quarterback ready in, in order to be able to make a switch. And he's right, guys. He's right. I've been trying to say this. You only have two real days of practice during a game week. During a traditional game week, you have about two days of practice. Tuesday and Wednesday, really. Monday is kind of a walkthrough, watching film, that kind of thing. Tuesday, get out there. Wednesday, get out there. Thursday is also kind of a walkthrough. And then Friday, a lot of times you're traveling, right? So you really only have like two days of actual on-the-field practice. And in those days, the starting quarterback gets about 80% of the reps with the ones because there's only so many reps to go around anyway. It's not really exactly feasible during a game week where you have to prepare for an opponent to split reps with the ones 50-50 and have like a true quarterback battle because if you do that, Whoever wins that quarterback battle, they're not really going to be adequately prepared to play in that game because they didn't get enough reps with the ones. So when the lesser talented guy has been the guy getting all the reps in 2017, as with Jake Fromm and right now with Stetson Bennett, and your team has still been winning, just like we were in 17 and like we were at least through the first three games until we got to Alabama, if, if that's happening, then it requires a big leap of faith for the coach to just say, all right, well... Stetson, now you're not going to be our starter because you had one bad game. You can't really say that because even if you don't trust that he's going to be the guy that can get you where you want this team to go, because the other guy, in this case, JT Daniels, he just hasn't been getting enough reps to really catch up. It just makes it really difficult for the guy coming off the injury to get back into the competition because he missed so many reps when he was out injured. And that means he needs as many reps as possible in order to get caught back up, especially in this case with JT Daniels, who didn't really have the luxury of a full year in this new offensive system like Jacob Eason did. But you can't really give Daniels the reps or Eason the reps back then because that he needs in order to catch up because if you do that, you're basically flat out saying he's going to be the starter. Because if you give him those reps to help him catch up, but then you still decide he isn't far enough along in his recovery, well then Stetson is not going to be as well prepared as he needs to be because he didn't get all the reps he needed. Daniels was cutting into those reps. So once you go down that road a couple of weeks with a guy being injured that, that might be the more talented option, or in my opinion, clearly is a more talented option and has the higher ceiling, but you go down that road with the backup quarterback, he's getting all the reps of the ones. The other guy hasn't really been getting any reps at all. He's basically been working on the scout team. 
it's really tough to get the other guy ready in the middle of the season. So that's the tough spot that we're in right now. All right, guys, before we move on and go any further this episode, I do want to take a quick minute or two to remind you about our friends at MyBookie. Between the NFL, college football, the World Series going on right now, there are so many games on to watch. And with thousands of games on, thousands of lines are available on all your favorite sports and events. You can turn your game day into payday with MyBookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to bet the big favorites, do what I do each week. Consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Makes for a lot of fun on a Saturday afternoon. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget about the underdogs, guys. They also have a ton of value. So there's game spreads, there's championship futures, player prop bets, any kind of bet you want to make. You can do that at my bookie. And guys, it's never too late to get in on the action and turn your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. I know you guys. You guys know your football. Use that knowledge. Make yourself a little bit of money, especially as we're getting closer and closer to the Christmas season here in the next couple of months. So sign up at my bookie. And when you do, use our promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. Again, that's promo code overtime for you to claim your bonus when you make your first deposit. So we got stacked UFC cards coming up. It's it's election season, so there's presidential prop bets, a lot of fun with that. Of course, all the major sports and so much more. So sign up today and begin your winning season exclusively at my bookie. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so we went through the 2017 season, but let's let's continue to look at the past, but let's move forward to the 2018 season. Obviously, we all know that we signed Justin Fields, the number one player in the country. I was so hyped. I was actually, I forget which game we were going to, but I was, on the, I was in the car on the road to one of the games that we were playing that year. And uh, I, was watching, I was watching the announcement live on, uh, on my phone and I flipped out in the car. My wife's like, what's going on? And of course, I'm watching Justin Fields. So I was hyped the whole Bulldog Nation was hyped. And it was a great quarterback competition in the spring and, and into fall camp. But we all know what happens. Fromm ends up winning that battle, keeping the job as our starting quarterback. And here's where people really start to criticize Kirby's handling of the quarterback position. It's all about Justin Fields, right? It's all about Fields versus Fromm. Everyone saw what Justin Fields did last year and how dynamic he was. And of course, they compare that, they contrast it to the struggles that Jake Fromm experienced, especially in the second half of last year. So the narrative is that Kirby obviously just completely screwed that up because what if we had Justin Fields this year? What if he had just had Justin Fields start as a true freshman in 2018? We would have him last year, we would have him this year. Who, who knows? We might be playing for back-to-back national titles. Certainly possible. I can argue with that. I can argue with that. But here's where a lot of you are going to start screaming at the phone or screaming at whatever device you're listening to this episode on because most people don't agree with me on this. But I have said this many times, and for some of our newer listeners, I will say it again. I do not think Kirby Smart made the wrong decision at the starting quarterback position in 2018. 
That's not to say that I think Jake Fromm was a better quarterback than Justin Fields. It's not to say that I think Jake Fromm had a higher ceiling than Justin Fields. It's not to say that I think Jake Fromm is going to be a better NFL quarterback than Justin Fields. Not at all. But if you look at that season and what we saw from Justin Fields and the offense that we had, you have to put it in context. In 2018, I still believe that Jake Fromm was the best option that season for that team in that offense. That offense was not really built to feature Justin Fields' skill set. What you also have to remember, guys, Justin Fields didn't play a ton of quarterback in high school. He didn't start that many games at all. He got injured. Wasn't, wasn't a guy that played a ton of football as a starting quarterback when he was in high school. From did that almost, as, he was a starter almost his entire high school career. I think from the time he was a sophomore on. It was very, very good. So he was just more developed as a quarterback in terms of doing like the, the little things, the mental things that quarterbacks have to be able to do. Field just wasn't as far along in his development. Now, certainly a much better athlete. Obviously, we know that. But running the pro-style offense that we had in 2018, it required the quarterback to be able to read coverages and understand to go through progressions and make quick decisions. All the things that Jake Fromm really excelled at. That's why Jake Fromm is so good in that offense, at least for the first couple of years. And Field just wasn't ready to do that in year one. And it doesn't mean that Fields isn't a great quarterback. Here's what I think. I think I wish Fields would have stuck stuck on the team because I think he could have beat Jake out in 2019. I absolutely believe that he could have. He would have had a year under his belt in the system. He would have learned a lot of those things, picked it up, but he didn't stick around. He decided, I don't, I don't know if he got his feelings hurt or he just wanted to play. He wanted a, a, maybe a sure bet of where he was going to play. I don't know exactly what was going through his mind, but he left. And I can't blame him. The guy wants to play. I get it. I mean, I wish him the best of luck. But if he stayed with us, I think he would have started last year, especially after Fromm faltered and really started to struggle. It's obviously, some of the issues that we had at the wide receiver position, well, the way to fix that and the way to kind of negate those issues is to have a dynamic quarterback that can make plays with his legs. Well, Jake Fromm wasn't that guy. We know that. Justin Fields was that guy. He would have been that guy. And I think he would have caught up and been much closer to being ready from a, a mental standpoint, just understanding the, the game and coverages and all those kind of things. I think he would have been closer to being ready. I think he would have taken the job last year, but he left, right? But again, I don't think that Kirby made the wrong decision there. I know people kill him for that, and that's his reputation, that he just can't handle quarterbacks, and he made a horrible decision there. But here's what I would also say about that. And I know some people argue, and I, I have a lot of dear friends that, that argue with me about this, and that's fine. I, and I respect where people are coming from when, when they say Fields should have been the guy. I just, I just respectfully disagree. Some people, their argument is, well, even if Fields wasn't as ready as Fromm was in 2018, you had to know that Fields was the future. So you go ahead, you take your bumps in 2018, you play with Fields, and then you try and you go win some national titles in the next couple of years. And I understand that because if he was on the team, I think we could have won the national title last year with that defense that we had. Absolutely, I think that we could, even with some of the issues we had at receiver. With Fields, I think we had a shot. If he's on the team this year, I think we're a national title team. With the defense we have, again, even with some of the issues that we have with some of the inexperience around us, I think with Fields, probably a national title team, at least a, a strong contender for sure. But as a coach, you can't look at it that way. It's so tough. And I know as fans, it's easy to look at it that way. But as a coach, you have a responsibility to every player on that 2018 team, especially the seniors, guys. How in the world do you look the seniors who put their blood, sweat, and tears into that program and have dreams of their own of winning something? How do you possibly look them in the face with a straight face, look them in the eye and tell them, you know what, guys? I know this is your final shot. I know this is your final year but I'm willing to sacrifice this year, your senior season, your final chance, and put in a quarterback that I don't think is ready to help us win this year. I'm going to put him in there because it's all about next year and then the following year. 
because I want to be I want our team to be humming and ready for those next couple years. How in the world do you look your seniors in the face and tell them that you know what I don't really care as much about this year. I care about next year and the year after. I don't I don't know how you can do that. I don't know how in good conscience you can do that. And I think that's how most coaches think. All right, I know fans you can look at it a little bit differently. I get that. I just don't think you can do it. If if Kirby thought that Jake Fromm was the best option in that year, you gotta go with him. And I I agree. I think Jay Fromm was the best option that year. Yeah, he had a really bad game against LSU. But guys, let's not forget, at the, at the end of the day in 2018, at the end of that year, Jake Fromm was the third highest rated passer in college football. He was the third most efficient passer in college football behind Kyler Murray and Tua Tungavailoa. No, he wasn't as good as those two. He wasn't at least at that level, but he's pretty darn good. And our offense wasn't the issue. I, I don't know if we put Justin Fields in if that if we win the SEC title game. I really I don't I don't know I don't believe that. Jay Fromm played lights out in that game. I mean, he's one of the main reasons we got a lead early in that game. So, look, I'm not here to debate Fromm versus Fields. Fields is clearly the better quarterback with a higher ceiling. We all know that. But again, in 2018, I think it's it's revisionist history to go back and and kill Kirby Smart over that. Of course, I would love to have Justin Fields right now. But again, for all the reasons I laid out, I don't I don't think that's that was the wrong decision. I really don't kill him for that. I don't. Uh, but here is how I think how Kirby handled that quarterback situation in 2018 can inform our current quarterback situation. Again, it's just like with 2017 and 2020 right now, it's not completely analogous, but there are some important similarities. So if you look like, just like in 2018, Kirby had a choice in 2018 between the safer, steadier option and the more dynamic, talented option. In 2018, he chose to go with the safe option. He went with Jay Fromm, the guy he trusted more. Now to understand why he did that, you gotta try to get into his psyche. And look, I don't know Kirby Smart. I know people that do know Kirby Smart. I've never met him. But just from, again, watching every press conference this guy has ever had at the University of Georgia and talking to people that do know him, I think you have to understand how his mind's working here. And I think you have to, I don't think you have to look any further than his background as a defensive coach and also understand that how they started the Dynasty of Alabama influenced Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart is an old school defensive coach. He's an old school Southern football coach whose dad was an old school Southern football coach. He's from South Georgia. And what is old school Southern football all about? A lot of you guys know what I'm talking about. It's about hard nosed physical football centered around a strong defense and that kind of complemented by a running game and a ball control offense. All his life, that had been ingrained in Kirby Smart. And he saw it work to an almost unprecedented level in the first half of the Nick Saban tenure at Alabama. He saw it. That is in Kirby Smart's DNA, his football DNA. This idea that you need a quarterback who's safe, who's smart, who won't put the defense in a bad spot. He sees the game, or at least saw it, the first couple of years he was here as our head coach, through the eyes of a defensive coach. So from that perspective, I think we can understand a little bit better why he made that choice to go with Jay Fromm and this, what, he, what he perceived to be the safer option who would not put his defense in a bad spot. He's seen that work before at the, at the college level to a national title level. And why can't it work here? That's, that's what he's thinking here, especially as a defensive coach. And here's the thing, as long as Jay Fromm was winning at a high level and the offense was still functioning at a high level with him, he had no reason to make a change. It, 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 would, it would have taken a shock to the system. It had to. It took a shock to the system to rock the foundations of Kirby Smart's beliefs. And that didn't happen in 2017 or 2018. We were still winning. Jay Fromm was performing at a high level. The offense was performing at a really high level. 
at least from a, from an efficiency standpoint. I know we weren't putting up the yards that some of these other teams were, because we just we weren't going with tempo. We didn't run as many plays. But from an efficiency standpoint, yards per play, we were top five in the country in 2018. So what motivation did he have to make a change there? What was sh- kind of shaking his system? What was a shot to his system to encourage him to move on from Jake Fromm? There was nothing. But 2019 was a different story. We know that. That was a season where we wasted the best defense in America because of clearly offensive issues. And it wasn't just the quarterback position, but the quarterback position was, was it, the deficiencies of our quarterback were exposed when the talent around him dropped off like he did with injuries and guys going to the NFL, whatever the reasons were, when the talent dropped off around Jay Fromm, his deficiencies were exposed. All right, He wasn't able to compensate for that the way a guy like Justin Fields might have been able to and probably would have been able to. And one way to get a defensive coach's attention like Kirby Smart, is wasting a truly elite defense because of a dysfunctional offense. There's very little that would make him more insane than that. That would drive him more crazy than that. And so I truly believe that Kirby Smart saw the light. I think after 2019, he saw what Bama had morphed into in order to stay on top. He saw what LSU did to his incredible defense, right? Now what was happening in the SEC, it wasn't just a Clemson or Ohio State or Big 12 thing. It's happening in the SEC. And teams are not just doing it well in the SEC, they're winning titles with it in the SEC. And so all that combined, now the 2019 season kind of shook those core beliefs that Kirby Smart had about how you win football games in the SEC and led him to understand that he's got to shake things up. He's got to change things on offense. And he did that, guys. He did it. Say what you want about Kirby being late to the party. That's fair. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I wish he would have done this a year or two earlier, right? But he didn't. The fact, but the fact is, he's changed. The one thing you can say about him is when he makes up his mind and commits to something, the guy will pursue it with dogged determination. So what's he do? Where's the evidence? Well, he goes out and signs Jamie Newman, a dual threat guy, different than what we had had, right? And he was the top quarterback transfer, grad transfer on the market. And we went out and got him. And on top of that, he hires Todd Munkin, who has a history of high-powered offenses. He throws the ball a lot more than what we had ever done under Jim Chaney or, or, or Coley. And then to add to that, he goes out and makes wide receiver recruiting a priority to end that 2020 class and lands a bunch of elite wide receivers, one of them which is starting for us right now in Jermaine Burton. And then a little bit more recently, he flips Brock Vandegrift, right, who was committed to Oklahoma from, from down the street here at Prince Avenue Christian. He flips Brock Vandegrift, who's a dual threat type guy, a dynamic quarterback prospect. Who I think is going. I cannot wait till he gets on campus. I cannot wait to see what he can do here at the University of Georgia. And then you bring in JT Daniels as insurance on top of Jamie Newman. He went out, guys, and he changed things. He realized. He saw the light. His core values were were shaken to the core. He literally did everything we all wanted him to do going into the 2020 season. But. Crazy things happen. We have this thing called a pandemic that no one really saw coming, and it's kind of thrown everything for a loop. So Jamie Newman opts out, still kind of mysteriously. I've heard so many different stories on that. I still haven't gotten a, what I would consider a a firm, verified story on that, but I've heard so many different things. So it's it's just a mystery to me of why he actually did that. But the fact is he opted out. He opted out. And then it turns out that JT Daniel is a guy that we thought would just step right in and, and really maybe not even miss that much of a beat. Well, it turns out he had... Uh, I guess we can call it a botched surgery. I don't know if botched is the right word. Maybe that's too strong. But at the very least, the surgery did not go as well as it should have gone. And he had complications with his procedure. So he isn't ready to be the guy to open 2020. None of that is on Kirby Smart. 
You can criticize Kirby Smart for a lot of things, guys. But I don't see how you can criticize him for the Corbett situation right now. And I, and I know people say, well, you, the, the response to that is, Justin Fields, Justin Fields, Justin Fields should be our quarterback. I get it. But again, Justin Fields chose to leave. He didn't have to leave. He chose to leave. I think Kirby Smart made the right decision playing the guy that was more that was better prepared to lead us in 2018 and try to win that season. And I think he played exceptionally well that year. 2019, different story. I wish Fields was on the team. I think he would have been the guy in 2019, but he chose to leave and that's on him. I don't know if that's on Kirby Smart. I know people like to put that on him and say he mismanaged that, that, that quarterback battle. I just, again, respectfully disagree with that. Again, not saying that Jake Fromm is better than Justin Fields. He, he's not. He's not. But in that year, I think he was the better option. Just saying that. But anyway, I think Kirby Smart has evolved. And I know people are frustrated with him right now. A lot of that is, in my opinion, lingering frustration over the Justin Fields situation. And, I, and again, on some level, I do understand that. I do get it. But let's look at what Kirby Smart did to try to get ready for this season, to try to change things up. Again, he went out, and not only did he bring in a dual-threat quarterback and bring in a high-powered offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin, when Newman opted out, he also decided to go with Dwan Mathis as a redshirt freshman as quarterback one. And Stetson Bennett has been on the roster the whole time, guys. Like, like if Kirby thought Stetson was the answer, if he was satisfied with Stetson Bennett being the guy, he would have gone out and gotten, at first, Jamie Newman, and then JT Daniels. And he certainly wouldn't have started Dwan Mathis as a redshirt freshman coming off brain surgery over Stetson Bennett. He knew all along that Stetson Bennett was the safer quarterback who was further along in his development, the more Fromm-esque quarterback, as I've said for weeks now. But Kirby has admitted that he and Munkin actually told Stetson that he wasn't really in their plans this year in preseason game. They told him that. And he went with the guy, Dwan Mathis, to open the season that wasn't as far along in his development. He did the thing that you guys wanted him to do in 2018. He went with a quarterback who wasn't as far along in his development, but was a far more dynamic quarterback and more dynamic athlete who had a much higher ceiling. So to me, that's evidence of at least some sort of evolution in how Kirby Smart is approaching the quarterback situation. Because I think he handled a little bit differently than what he did in 2018. But here's what I think happened. Again, this is conjecture. This is me just kind of speculating. He sends Mathis out there, right? He's trying to let things go. He's trying this, this new age style of offense. And he does something that's very uncomfortable for him in that process. He, he puts a guy out there that he doesn't think is maybe as ready from a developmental standpoint as a guy like Stetson Bennett, but he's going to trust it. He's going to go with it and try to go with a more dynamic option because he's seen this work for Alabama and LSU, teams like that, right? But it backfired on him, at least for a half. Mathis goes out there. Things don't go as planned right away. He takes a big hit, looks like a deer in the headlights after that, and Kirby's worst nightmare comes true. Mathis isn't ready, and he makes a bunch of mistakes that put the team in a bad spot. I don't think it was all on Mathis, but he didn't play particularly well. He did kind of look unprepared in that game. I don't know if he was completely ready. And Kirby saw that, and it, I think it scared him. I think that scared him. It was his worst nightmare because he was trying to let things go, and it didn't work out. So what does Kirby do? He reverts back to his old, comfortable, happy place and puts in a guy who was fifth string at the quarterback spot about a month or so ago because he trusts that at least that guy knows what to do. At least he's not going to put us in a bad position. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's not going to make poor decisions. He's going to hit open guys. And you know what? It pays almost immediate dividends, giving further ammunition to Kirby that you've got to put a guy in there that you trust because it's going to work out, right? So I think in some ways... How that first game worked out with Dwan Mathis, the more dynamic guy, the guy with the higher ceiling, the guy that Kirby was trying to go with to change things up 
because he knew the offense needed to evolve. Well, it didn't work out with him. And then the guy that's the, the more like Jake from S quarterback, who's the game manager, steady, smart, won't put you in bad spots. When he comes in and the game flips completely and we're able to take control of that game with him at quarterback, I think in some ways that development kind of retarded Kirby's evolution. He was starting to turn the corner and become and trying try to become more comfortable with letting go of the old style of play, that old mentality. But not after that Arkansas game. I think that scared him to death. I really do. But the issue is, especially after the Alabama game, to me the issue is it's pretty clear that Stetson's physical limitations that we're all well aware of, they limit our offense. And I've been very clear saying that I think Stetson Bennett is just a more athletic and slightly shorter version of Jake Fromm. I think the similarities in terms of what the strengths that they bring to the table are, I think they're remarkably similar. Not the same quarterback, not the same guy, but their similarities are pretty striking in that they're both guys that are in there because they're smart with the football, they understand coverages, they understand to go through progressions, they make good decisions, they don't put your team in a bad spot, and they're also, there's some physical limitations. Fromm's physical limitations were his athleticism, Stetson's obviously are his size. So not exactly a carbon copy, but very similar. And the formula with Stetson at quarterback is the same offensive formula that Kirby tried to get away from after last year. And that's the frustrating part for me. Kirby is trying to make the move that I think he needed to make and create a more dynamic offense. But here we are, and we're stuck with the same formula right now. That's the present. That's our reality. And I still think we can win a lot of games with Stetson and that formula because look like we won a lot of games with that formula and Jake Fromm the last couple of years. Like we've won three straight SEC East titles. We can probably win the rest of the games on our schedule. Florida wouldn't be a guaranteed win, but if we could beat them with Jake Fromm, I know it's a different Florida team, but if still that same program, if we could beat them with Fromm a couple years in a row, then we can beat them with Stetson Bennett because I do think their strengths are so similar. And winning a lot of games is great, guys. It's great. I love it. But I'm I'm not satisfied with that. I'd love, I love I like winning games more than I like losing games, but I I'm not satisfied with that. That's not where this program is. And I know Kirby isn't satisfied with it either. Winning games is great. I love to win a lot of games. But I want more than that. I want to be in the college football playoff. I want to win a national championship. And I know Kirby wants that more than any of us. I do. He's that kind of competitive. So what we have to ask ourselves is, what are we missing? What are we missing? We have an elite defense. We have for a couple years now. We've had back-to-back number one recruiting classes. We have the most talented roster in college football, one through 85, according to 247 Sports. So if that's the case, why can't we beat the Bamas? Why can't we beat the LSUs of the world? Why can't we win those games against the most elite teams that we face? We're in those games for the most part, outside of maybe LSU and the SEC title game last year, especially with Bama. We're in those games. We have the lead, right? You guys know you have the same frustrations I have. To me, it's pretty clear. The answer is pretty clear. We just don't have the quarterback. We've had good quarterback play. Jay Fromm was really good for us. Did a lot of good things. Put us in in really great situations. But we haven't had dynamic, game-changing quarterback play. The kind of guy that can still complete a big ball when the defense is playing perfect coverage. When the defense is right, you can still fit the ball in a tight window because you're just that good. The guy that can make plays happen with his legs when he guesses wrong. The, the kind of guy that can still make plays when the talent around him is still growing when, and when things aren't perfect around him. We haven't had a guy like that. And it's not just the quarterback. Like we need the elite receivers like Bam and LSU's had the past couple of years. Yeah, we need that too. But we need the quarterback more than anything. I'm firmly convinced that we will not win a national championship until we fix the quarterback position. We have everything else that we need. We just need to find the answer at quarterback. 
And that brings us to the present and the future, the, the rest of the season, right? The future. The popular question really all year, but especially after, after the Alabama game is this, can Georgia win a national title with Stetson Bennett? You guys are all asking these same questions. Most of you are saying no. Uh, I think a lot of people are in agreement with me that it is very unlikely that we will win a national title with Stetson Bennett. I'm not saying it's impossible. You guys know I don't like to speak in absolutes. Anything's possible. I mean, we got to a national title game with Jake Fromm as a true freshman. It, that happened. But there are other teams around us now that, that are a little bit better. I'm not saying they're better than us, but they, they've improved. They've raised their game. So I just, I don't, and like things went, like the, the talent around Drake was so good when he was a true freshman. You had the offensive line, you had Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, you had Terry Godwin, you had Javon Wims, Miko, Isaac Nauta. Like we don't have all those guys right now. Like we have guys I think might be more talented at wide receiver long term, but a lot of them, they're just not ready. The offensive line, it, it just isn't, it isn't the same level. They're not, they don't have as much experience right now. You don't, I, know, like, I like Zeus, I like Kenny McIntosh, I like Kendall Milton. They aren't Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. I mean, come on, they're not. So like things are really, working very smoothly around Jake Fromm in 2017, and it's not exactly happening right now. But I think a lot of people are with me in saying that I just, as good as I think Stetson is, and I, I, guys, I think Stetson's an SEC caliber starter, just maybe not for one of the one or two best teams in the SEC, at least one of the top three teams in the SEC. I think he's a guy that could, that could start for Vanderbilt, could maybe start for Missouri, could maybe start for South Carolina. I think he's a guy that can, that can do some things. I don't think he's terrible. I don't think that at all. And Jay Fromm wasn't terrible. Jay Fromm was really good, but Jay Fromm was never good enough. It got close, but it was never quite good enough for us to get completely over that hump and win a national title. And I just I just don't think Stetson is that dynamic of a guy. We win a lot of games with him, just like we did with Jake. I just don't think it's very likely that we're going to win a national title with him. I just don't think he's going to elevate the young, inexperienced players around him. I don't. I don't think he's good enough to carry the offense in spite of the, the youth and the inexperience around him. And I think Kirby realizes that too. I do think that Kirby has evolved. You guys can disagree with me. That's fine. But I think that he has. And there's a reason in my mind that he went out and aggressively pursued Jamie Newman and was able to land him. There's a reason he went out on top of that and, and landed JT Daniels when Tennessee thought that they had him. There's a reason he went out and brought in Todd Munkin in the process, essentially having to fire one of his close friends in James Coley. Kirby, Kirby has evolved. He realized that we had to change things up. He's tired of the offense falling short and being the weak link. But through circumstances of fate, here we are with Stetson Bennett as our quarterback. That's our present. That is our reality. But it doesn't have to be our future. And that's where I want to wrap things up today because I know that is where the real interest is right now with the quarterback spot. Like what happened in the past, yes, I, th yes, I think it can inform where we are now and what's going to happen in the future and what Kirby's going to do and how he might approach this process. But the past is done. We know where we are right now. But what fans, including myself, want to really know is, is there hope of something better this year? We know Brock Vandengriff is coming and we know that Daniels will be healthy next year. But what about the rest of this season? What about 2020? Is there an answer this year or... I mean, are we just doomed to waste the best defense in college football yet again for the second year in a row? Like, just like last year. Is that is that our fate this year? And discussing the future, guys, you have to know, it involves a fair amount of speculation. So just understand that, right? I don't have all the answers. I don't. But I do have an opinion based off at least what little we do know about where JT Daniels is in his recovery. And also based off what I've seen Kirby Smart do in the past at the quarterback position. That's kind of why I laid out what he's done in the past. I think almost all of us would agree as with Kirby, if you put a gun to his head, I think he'd also agree to this, 
that JT Daniels, like we know this guy's like, he, he's the more talented and dynamic option at quarterback. He's got the higher upside in the sets a minute. But it's not that simple. It's not as simple as saying, oh yeah, this guy's a better quarterback, let's play him. Not with the injury complications with Daniels' knee. What we Let's talk about what we do know right now with JT Daniels in this quarterback situation. What we do know is that JT Daniels had some complications with his knee surgery. Again, I'm not going to say it was completely botched. I don't know enough about the surgery and, and how you do ACL reconstruction surgery. I don't know enough about it. It's just pretty clear based on what you, you have read and heard that it did not go as well as it needed to go, right? So there's some complications with the knee surgery. And he wasn't clear to start this season, which is still crazy to me, considering how most people um, are recovering from ACL surgeries now in just you know seven, eight months, even at times. But he wasn't ready. He stopped getting reps. Daniel stopped getting reps with the ones shortly before the season because we had to prepare someone for that spot. And if, if you don't know if... JT Daniels is going to be cleared, if you, if you can't have that guarantee to you, then you can't have him getting the reps with the number ones. That's why in that final scrimmage, you know, all this, there's all this, this intrigue. I'm like, oh my God, Dwan Mathis went out there and he got all the reps in the first, in the first half with the, with the ones. Like, oh my God, what's going on? I think it's pretty clear now. Yeah. Oh yeah. JT Daniels, like he hadn't been officially cleared yet. And you know, he could go out there and practice and he could scrimmage, but you can't give him all those reps with the ones if you don't know that he's going to be cleared in time for the first game. You had to get somebody ready, and that's Dewan Mathis. And I think also, like again, talking about Mathis being the guy instead of Daniels, I think that's further evidence that Kirby has evolved. And like, there's a reason he went with Mathis and not Stetson Bennett to start week one. He has evolved. Again, I think that's more evidence that he has evolved and realizes that we need to find a playmaker rather than a game manager at quarterback. So... We do know that happened. Um, we also know that we're working in a new offense that put Daniels behind. So when you're working in a new offense that he's not familiar with and he's not getting near as many reps because you don't know if he's going to be cleared or not, that's going to put him further behind. It's hard for him to catch up. Uh, and then we also know, of course, that Daniels was medically cleared for contact immediately after the Arkansas game, like immediately after that game. What we don't know is what does that mean about how close he is to being able to contribute? What does medically clear mean? We know that means you're cleared for contact, like you can take contact. That doesn't mean that you're 100%. It doesn't mean that you don't have some stiffness still in the knee. It doesn't mean that you don't have your mobility all the way back. The, those things can certainly be true. I mean, I've used Nick Chubb as an example before, guys. Like, yeah, he was cleared to play and take contact in 2017 or 2016, and he did. But he wasn't the same Nick Chubb. He wasn't back to 100%. He didn't have the same lateral agility, the same explosion that he had before the injury and then a couple years removed the injury, now where he is at this point. So it, like, where was Daniels in the recovery? Yeah, he's cleared, but what what do we know? We, we don't really know. And were, then, of course, there's some a lot of unverified rumors about his, his health and him just not being 100% and maybe not having all his mobility back. And you just don't know what to believe, right? Now, what we do also know, though, is that based on what Kirby has said, is that Daniels has been practicing. He's been working on the scout team as a scout team quarterback. We also know that last week he began to work with no brace, at least part of the week, no brace on the knee, which seems to be some sort of progress, right? And we also know this week that he's off the scout team. He's getting reps with the second team offense this week in practice. Now that might not sound like much to you, like, oh my God, no, I don't care about second team. I want to be with the first team. I get that, but it's progress, guys. It's progress. You're coming off the scout team and you're working with the twos. You don't really just jump from the scout teams to the ones. That usually doesn't happen like that. 
there's a progression involved. And I think this is could be part of that progression. What this tells me is that like I think, and I'm reading into things here, like there, it could also just be that there's like no scout work at all this week because we don't have an opponent we're preparing for this week. This week, our bye week stories about us just working on ourselves and getting better and guys getting reps and developing that kind of thing. You're not really necessarily working. Like you're watching tape and stuff. But you're not really working in practice on Kentucky for next week. So maybe that's the case, but I'm gonna read into it and, tell, and say this tells me that Kirby is using the bye week to get Daniels more reps, to try to get him closer to being ready to come in there and, and maybe play and contribute this season. Uh, I, I do think there is a world, again, I don't know, this is speculation, but I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think there's a world where if JT Daniels responds well this week, getting all this work with the number two to offense and getting all these extra reps, and the, and the coaches like what they see, I don't think it's crazy to, to think that he might begin to eat into the reps with the number ones next week. I don't think that's impossible to say because we've seen the progression from scout team to number twos. What's the next step from the twos to the ones? So if he, if he, if he moves well, the coaches like what they see, he's performing well, I think it's possible that he could start to get some more reps with the ones next week. Uh, and look, I've, I've heard from some people, some listeners out there who I love and respect that that were kind of upset that Kirby didn't immediately come out. He has he had a Tuesday press conference this week on a bye week. And they were they were expecting him to come out and you know and and make some sort of announcement. They were hoping, I guess, maybe not expecting, but hoping that he would come out and announce JT Daniels is going to start against Kentucky. But I mean, come on, guys, like don't read anything into that. Like Kirby Smart's never going to do that. Even if he is going to play JT Daniels against Kentucky, he's not going to come out and tell anyone. Number one, from a practical standpoint. From a competitive standpoint, he doesn't want to give Kentucky a chance to go prepare for that. He doesn't want them to, he wants them to prepare for Stetson, right? If he's going to insert a different quarterback, he's not going to tell him that. He's going to play coy. And he's just not going to do that to Stetson Bennett in a press conference situation. He hasn't done that. He's not going to do that. So I don't read anything into the coach speak there in that press conference. He's not going to come out, even if he was to make the move to JT. Like, what do you expect him to say there? He's not going to say, oh, yeah, Stetson sucks. We're going to go with JT Daniels. There's no reason for him to do that. If you want to do it, that's fine. But just, play the guy. Just have him go out there and start the game against Kentucky next week. You don't have to announce it ahead of time. That just makes no sense. Like, what's the benefit to that? But I will say this. Here's what I will say. If JT Daniels does not start the Kentucky game coming off the bye week, or at least get some meaningful snaps in that game, get a series here and there, then I just don't think it's going to happen this season, barring some sort of injury to Stetson or just a complete meltdown by Stetson Bennett, which I don't think it's going to happen. I know he didn't play well against Alabama, but uh, not all those interceptions were completely on him. He did make a lot of poor decisions, some other ones that should have been intercepted. So maybe it all evens out and he missed some throws that could have been touchdowns and first downs. And I get all that. But barring some injury or complete meltdown by Stetson, if JT Daniels does not get in the game this week and start to play a little bit or next week against Kentucky, I don't think I don't think it's going to happen this year. It's just, again, going back to what I said at the outset of the show, it's just not practical to split reps with the ones during the game week. And, and, and what? Like, so he doesn't play against Kentucky give him another extra week to maybe get ready for Florida. Do you, do we really want JT Daniels' first action, game action in over a year to be in the Florida game, a game of that magnitude and that much importance in the SEC East race? I don't love that scenario. I really don't. If we're going to play him, like let's play him a little bit against Kentucky. Let him get his feet wet, see how he performs in a big game, evaluate that, or not in a big game, but a real game, and see how he, how he performs there and evaluate and evaluate. And going to the Florida game, if, if you like what you saw against Kentucky, then maybe you do start him. So, I mean, I think that's how I would probably approach this. And I also, like, I, I do want to say this too. I think this is important to say. It bears mentioning that Daniels might not be the answer. I know none of us want to think that, but he might not be the answer. He might not be that dynamic quarterback that we've been looking for. Maybe he's not. I don't know. 
But I will say I went back and watched every single game I could possibly find on YouTube from his freshman season at USC. I think it ended up being like seven or eight games. And yeah, he was a true freshman that should have been playing his senior year of high school. But I liked what I saw from a physical tool standpoint. He made some poor decisions. Absolutely. He threw some balls that should never have been thrown. But he was a true freshman with no college experience doing that. He wasn't Stetson Bennett, who's what, a rusher junior now, I think was what Stetson is technically. Let's see, he was a freshman in 2017, transferred 2018, 19. So yeah, a junior. So he's not that kind of guy who's going out there. Now that Stetson has a ton of experience in games, but still at the college level, in practice, reps, all those kind of things. And he, I, so I don't, I don't really begrudge him too much from those mistakes as a true freshman. He was again a guy that should have been in his senior year of high school, but he made some really elite throws also, and he also showed me some really good functional athleticism as well. I don't think his athleticism is all that different than what Stetson's is really. I think the guy can move pretty well. He throws well on the run. He has a good feel in the pocket. All those things are true. He had a really good game against an eventual Notre Dame team that goes to the uh, college football playoff that year, almost led a bad USC team to an upset victory in that game and cost, you, or cost Notre Dame a chance in the college football playoff. Played really well in that game. Played well against USC or UCLA too, made some mistakes in that game for sure, but I thought he played pretty well in that game, if you ask me. So I went back and actually watched the tape, guys. I think he can be that guy, but there's a chance he's not, especially coming off the injury. You never know. But here's what I would say. Even though he might not be the guy, we don't know for sure, I think there's a better chance of him being that elite guy at quarterback that we've been missing than Stetson Bennett being that kind of guy. Because I think I've I've seen enough from Stetson Bennett at this point. I really have. I'm not saying Stetson is bad. Again, I think we can win just about every game left on our schedule with Stetson Bennett. I think we can get to the SEC title game with Stetson Bennett. Not a, not a done deal, no lock guarantee, but I think we can. I, I think Stetson's a good player. I've just seen enough to tell me that I just don't think he is an elite quarterback. And right now, if we want to get to the next level, we need to have an elite quarterback. And I think that there's a better chance that JT Daniels is that than there is a Stetson Bennett is that. Um, and I also don't want to completely dismiss Dwan Mathis out of hand here in this quarterback equation. He wasn't ready when when he started that Arkansas game. Like you could you could tell the guy wasn't completely ready, uh, and, and that doesn't necessarily really surprise me. But I do think his performance in that first half is being there's there's some exaggeration going on there. I don't think it was as bad after going back and rewatching it like five different times. Um, I don't think he was as bad as it seemed in the emotions of that first watch. There were some things that, that made him look bad that I think were on other players, like the interception. Yeah, when I was first watching the motion of the game, I'm sitting like, oh my God, did you just throw it four yards behind him? What on earth are you doing? You're terrible. You need to be benched. But go back and rewatch it. It's like, no, that's, that was on Jermaine Burton. That was, that was a missight adjustment on Jermaine Burton. Definitely was. I'm convinced that was, now after watching it many times, I'm convinced that was the case on, on that play. There are a couple other plays that were completely um, wide open plays that Todd Munkin designed. We all know Todd Munkin is really doing a great job getting guys open, scheming it up, and, and just and really creating mismatches. He's doing a great job. And there were some plays that were there against Arkansas. But the offensive line, Owen Condon in particular, didn't protect long enough and give us time to get those plays open. So you yeah, saw Dwan Mathis have to scramble and look like he was lost and that kind of further added to that perception and there were times where he was I mean after the hit by bumper pool yeah he was lost he was not I shouldn't say lost he was he was shaken by that I think the word I use is that that it shook him and I, I still believe that but that was like are we just gonna say that that's Dwan Mathis forever and that's all he's ever gonna be I mean it's just like any quarterback any other player any other position the more you play the more you improve and I think Dwan Mathis has an elite skill set I think he has a great arm I think he's a dynamic athlete I would like to see him continue to get opportunities to develop. So, uh, and here I also say about that about that game, it's like our our offense in general just 
didn't play as well in the first half. I'm curious what would happen if Stetson Bennett started that game with some of the issues, the penalties, the missed blocks, that kind of stuff that really put us behind the eight ball and put Mathis in bad spots. I'm curious if Stetson Bennett started that game and it went like that. If he would have gotten pulled and we insert Mathis and the offensive line's playing a little better after that and the run game is going a little bit, we, change, we adjust some things offensively. If he's a second guy that goes in and things go a little bit better for him, I'm curious what the perception of him would be if that was the case. So I don't know, just, a, just an interesting thought. But anyway, I just, I'm not saying he's the guy. I just don't want to dismiss him out of hand. And I know a lot of people are. Usually it's just you hear about JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett. And Mathis is kind of lost in the shuffle there because of people are kind of just shell-shocked for what they saw in the first quarter and a half against Arkansas. But I, I, I'm not going to just completely give up on the guy. I think he also needs to get more opportunities this week too. Honestly, I would love it if it was a wide-open quarterback battle for one week in the bye week here and just kind of evaluate those guys and see who should be getting more reps with the ones along with Stetson Bennett next week. And maybe it turns out that Stetson is the best available option our quarter, and our coaches come to that conclusion. Maybe. I can't, I don't know. I'm not there at practice. It's certainly possible. But at the very least, what I would like to see, what I would argue is that we need to open up the competition this week and we need to give other guys opportunities. We need to give Daniels and Mathis opportunities to show that they've developed, that they've improved. In Mathis's case, that he has developed and improved and is, is growing as a quarterback. And in Daniels' case, prove that he is healthy and that he can move. He has, doesn't have as many lingering issues as maybe he had. And also maybe prove that he has kind of grasped more of the offense. Because so the thing, guys, when you run the scout team like he has been the past couple weeks, you're not really running our plays. You're running the other team's plays. So it's kind of a different animal. So I hope that's what happens this week and we just kind of reevaluate and take it from there. I can't guarantee. I know you guys want me to sit here and you would love it if I just gave you all the warm and fuzzies and, and told you guys, oh yeah, you know, JT Daniels is going to be the guy. He's going to start. No worries. Don't worry. Against Kentucky, he's going to come out there. Number 18 is going to be the guy the rest of the way. He's going to lead us to the national title. I want, I, I, I don't even know if I want, I can't say I want that to be the case. I just want the guy who gives us the best option to play. And I have concerns that Stetson, I don't think Stetson Bennett is the most talented quarterback on our roster. In fact, I think he's the least talented quarterback on our roster. And I'll include Carson Beck in that. I think he's the least physically gifted quarterback on our roster. I don't even know if you can argue that. But what he is, is that he's the furthest along in his development. And what I mean by that is reading coverages, understanding where his progressions are, and all, all that kind of thing. But I also say this, and I said this in the recap show, that's why Stetson Bennett's in the game, right? Like That's why he's starting over Dewan Mathis, is because he's supposed to be the smart one, the safe one, the stable one, who's not going to make poor decisions with the ball, who's not going to put your defense in a bad spot, right? Well, that wasn't the case against Alabama, guys. He missed a lot of reads, made a lot of poor decisions, Turn the ball over, put our defense in bad spots. I don't want to say he lost the game. He didn't lose the game, but he certainly contributed to that loss. And if Stetson Bennett, who is far less physically gifted and talented than the other guys, is making those mistakes, he's doing the same things those guys were doing that got them benched, then why on earth is he playing? Why on earth is he the guy? And, he's, and the only reason that he's the guy is because you trust him more. You're supposed to trust him more. He's supposed to be smarter and more stable and, and not put you in bad spots. But if he's doing those things that Dwan Mathis was apparently doing in the first game and put us in bad spots, then why on earth is Stetson playing? Because he doesn't bring as much athleticism and playmaking ability to the table as a guy like Dwan Mathis does or a guy like JT Daniels does. So that's just another thought to throw out there. But long story short, guys, wrapping it up here, I don't know what the future is going to hold. I, I've told you what I think it could hold, and I'm hopeful that JT Daniels is moving in the right direction. I'm hopeful that him getting reps with the second team this week is, is a step in the right direction, and maybe that means he'll start to get, if he performs well, get, start to get some more reps with the ones. I hope that he gets some playing time against Kentucky. I hope that somebody other than Stetson Bennett, again, not saying I think Stetson's bad. I don't hold a grudge against Stetson. I love the guy. I want the best for him. I want the best for this team. 
but I'm just not sure that Stetson Bennett being the long-term answer this season is what's best for our team. If we're actually going to have some championship hopes and hold on to those, I think we need to find an answer. And I just don't think it's Stetson Bennett. So I want to see some other guys get a chance in meaningful situations in games. And I would like to see it as early as this week, actually against Kentucky next week, I guess is when it is. I want to see it. I want to see that and evaluate how they play. And if it turns out that Stetson, when you give these guys a chance, he's still the best option, then so be it for this year. But I'm just not convinced that's the case right now because I think Daniels is getting close to being healthy. Mathis is hopefully continuing to improve and work on his game and grow. And I want to see. So we'll see, guys. But I did just want to kind of address all the different questions that we have gotten over the past week, really since the Alabama game, about the quarterback situation. We got so many different questions. I thought, you know, just the, the idea popped in my mind kind of spontaneously that, yeah, let me just do a whole episode. We're going to kind of trace back all the way back to Kirby Smart's first year here in Athens and how he handled the quarterback situation see if that can kind of inform us on what he's going to do moving forward and how he's evolved and all those things. So I just want to take that look at his, at the past, the present, and the future of the quarterback position under Kirby Smart. So hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I was kind of all over the place with this, but it's kind of just where my mind was on it. And I didn't have a game to preview, so why not throw it out there, right? But anyway, guys, thanks for listening. I really do appreciate you sticking with me. Charlie will be back with me. Um, as will our guest host for the Picks of the Week episode that will be up on Thursday night. So make sure to check back for that. It's always a lot of fun to do that. But thanks for listening to me, guys. I appreciate it. We'll be back. But as always, go dogs. <laughs>